This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Wednesday, Nikki Haley became the second overall and first female candidate for president of the United States in the 2024 Republican primary. To cap off her announcement, she used a specific line that caught my attention. In fact, it's the final line of her campaign announcement video. Here it is. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. It's an appeal that will not come as a surprise to those of you that listened to our episode a few weeks ago when we flagged Haley's usage of the terms lean in and may the best woman win in an interview with Sean Hannity. Haley, like many female candidates for president, is wrestling with the fact that there has yet to be a woman president and seeks to define her gender in the mind of voters before it is defined for her. But since nobody has done it successfully, there are a lot of different ways that you can do it. Gender has never been in more focus than it has recently, specifically starting in 2016 when Hillary Clinton came the closest that any woman has come to earning the title of president, only to lose to Donald Trump. Now, plenty of ink and airtime was spilled on that dichotomy. In fact, one New York University study reenacted the debate between then-candidate Trump and Secretary Clinton and did a really interesting thing. They had actors reverse the gender roles. So they had a female play Trump and a male play Clinton. Here's a clip of that. One of the worst trade deals to ever happen to well, the that manufacturing is your industry. That is you your go to opinion. England, you go to Ohio, Pennsylvania, you go anywhere you want, Secretary Gordon, and you will see devastation where manufacturers down 30, 40, sometimes 50%. NAFTA is the worst trade deal maybe ever signed anywhere, but certainly ever signed in this country. And now you want to approve Trans-Pacific Partnership. You were totally in favor of it. Then you heard what I was saying, how bad it is, and you said, I can't win that debate. But you know that if you did win, you would approve that, and that would be almost as bad as NAFTA. Well, Nothing will ever top NAFTA. That, that is just not accurate. I uh, was against it once it was finally negotiated and the terms were laid out. I wrote about that. You called it the gold standard. I wrote about well, you I called it the gold standard of trade. And you know what? You said it's the finest deal you've ever seen. No. Then you heard what I was saying, and all of a sudden you were against it. Well, well I know you live in your own reality, Brenda, but yeah. that is not the facts. Now, after the audience watched that debate, they were asked which of the two they liked more. And female Trump came out on top which only complicates everything even more. So in this edition of the show, we are going to go back in time for every announcement of a female candidacy for president of the United States of America, 
in exploratory committee announcements, speeches, and announcement commercials. Why? Well, because power and gender lines fascinate me. And also, we've had enough female candidates to make this episode possible. I'm also weirdly curious to see if I can walk this fault line good enough so I don't get yelled at by my mom via text. But first, this is Politics, 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 and I'm Justin Robert Young. I stand before you today as a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the presidency of the United States of America. I am not the candidate of black America, although I am black and proud. I am not the candidate of the women's movement of this country, although I am a woman, and I'm equally proud of that. I am not the candidate of any political bosses or fat cats or special interests. I stand here now without endorsements from many big name politicians or celebrities or any other kind of prop. I do not intend to offer to you the tired and glib cliches which for too long have been accepted part of our political life. I am the candidate of the people of America. We begin in January 1972 with Shirley Chisholm at the Baptist Church of Brooklyn. Chisholm became the first black woman elected to Congress in 1969, coming to power the same year that Richard Nixon became president. In that next presidential cycle, she sought to earn the nomination of her Democratic Party by becoming the first black woman to do so. But listen to those opening lines. Chisholm has no illusions about her chances, and she knows she was an outsider in a process that still did not have a modern primary system. That would come four years later. So she sought not to define herself as a black citizen of America or a female candidate, and instead makes her case as an outsider, ready to take on Nixon. Her slogan, unbought and unbossed, tells that tale. So remember, at this time, party conventions are still the place where horse trading and deal making determine who the nominee is. And while Chisholm never really had a shot, she skipped the New Hampshire primary and refused to shirk her congressional duties to campaign full time in Florida, where she really did need to win. The machinations at the top of that convention ended up benefiting her. Hubert Humphrey, who raise the dead listeners will remember released his black delegates to support Chisholm after it was clear that he could not sink eventual winner George McGovern's nomination. McGovern eventually selected Senator Thomas Eagleton of Missouri as his vice president. Eagleton was then removed from the ticket because he was found to be a depressive drunk who had electroshock therapy, and McGovern replaced him with Kennedy family surrogate and future Arnold Schwarzenegger father-in-law, Sergeant Shriver. The two of them went on hand-in-hand to get smoked by Nixon 
But also Nixon did a Watergate and eventually had to resign. It was a mess. Chisholm finished a respectable fourth at that Miami Beach convention and went on to say that she received more discrimination for being a woman than being black. Quote, men are men. Chisholm served as a congresswoman for the Bedford-Stuyvesant District in Brooklyn until 1983, and it would be 27 years until a female candidate for president would have a better shot than Shirley to take the nomination, if not win. And that woman, at least on paper, as a candidate, used the Top Gun theme to announce her exploratory committee. Ladies and gentlemen, Libby Dole. All right, so let's set the scene here. It's March of 1999, and Libby's husband, Bob, was the most recent presidential loser. Libby had previously worked with the American Red Cross, but became interested in running after Bob's political career ended and he became a salesman for boner pills in 1998. Here is her actual announcement of her exploratory committee at an event in Iowa. Thanks again to Steve Roberts. Isn't he a great cheerleader? You did a wonderful job. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> and Phyllis, so pleased to have you here today. And I want to thank Dwayne and Lisa and Gentry, and Mike and Deandra for those beautiful comments. I'll cherish them the rest of my life. And thank you very much for being a part of this event today. Now, Deandra, come down with me a minute, okay? Okay, stop here. Because I got to set this up. Libby is introduced for this event by a few local folks, most notably at the end, a 12-year-old black girl from Ames, Iowa named Deandra. She calls for Deandra to walk up to the front of the stage with her. Deandra didn't know I was going to ask her to do this. We like some spontaneity, don't we? <laughs> Let me just say that uh, Deandra, I understand, would like someday to be president of the United States. And I think that's a wonderful goal. Yes. <laughs> you didn't know I knew that, did you? <laughs> so... I wanted, I wanted Deandra to stand here with me as uh, we make an announcement that may be historic because uh, we want everyone to know that officially I have filed my papers with the FEC to have an Elizabeth Dole Exploratory Committee yeah. for the year 2000. So here this is her gender signal. And in this man's humble opinion, it's pretty elegant identitarianism. By saying that Deandra the 12-year-old girl would like to be president, we are immediately putting into perspective that Libby would have to pave the way for her. Making this sweet girl's dream come true, you have to vote for me. And then Libby gives her website. Just, it says edole.org. Edole.org? Libby, baby, it's 1999. You could have had Facebook.com. Now, the 2000 primary at this point is pretty wide open, although obviously George W. Bush is the favorite. But Libby does have a few advantages. Her husband had just run and won the nomination in the 1996 contest. And she, along with her husband, Bob, had already campaigned through all the states she needed to win. 
She knew all the players. And she does have a undeniably charismatic attitude. And yet, alas, it wasn't to be. Libby ended her campaign before the year was over and before the Iowa caucus. She eventually did win a Senate seat in North Carolina from 2003 to 2009. But let's head to September 2003. We are now entering the 2004 presidential cycle, and George W. Bush is looking as vulnerable as an incumbent can. The Iraq War continues. Amidst this, the first black woman to serve in the Senate, Carol Mosley Braun, announces her candidacy for presidency at Howard University. I would like to thank the National Organization for Women and the National Women's Political Caucus for their endorsements. Their clarity and advocacy for women gives me the hope and the support I must have to engage this effort. And I would like to thank all of the friends, supporters, and strangers, too, who have led me along my path towards this day. Over the past several months, I have traveled America, talking with people, listening to them, registering voters, and engaging in a passionate debate about our country's direction. I am grateful to all those who opened their homes and their hearts, to those who shared their experiences with me, and who made it possible for me to explore the prospect of a presidential campaign. Thank you for your encouragement. Today, I am officially declaring my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. Okay, did you catch that? No specific gender call-out. The first so far. Braun only mentions the word woman once in reference to her work on the Senate Finance Committee. This is a serious, by the numbers, if a bit dull, speech pointing out her accomplishments. Things didn't go much better for Braun after this, however. She raised under $600,000, flipped campaign managers, couldn't break single digits during the primaries, but she did have some memorable debate performances. She dropped out January 15th and endorsed Howard Dean in 2004. Which brings us to 2011 in Waterloo, Iowa. It's the Republicans' turn to have a woman announce again. This time, it's congressional conservative firebrand, Michelle Bachman. Good morning. It is so great to be here in Iowa this morning, and even better to be here in Waterloo, where I was born. I think it is entirely fitting that we are here today at the Snowden House the site that was once the Waterloo Women's Club. So thank you for being here. My name is Michelle Bachman. I stand here in the midst of many friends and many family members to announce formally my candidacy for President of the United States. I do so because I am so profoundly grateful for the blessings that I have received, both from God and from this great country, and not because of the position of this office, but because I am determined that every American deserves these blessings and that together 
once again we can secure the promise of the future for America because I want to bring a voice your voice to the White House just as I brought your voice to the halls of the United States Congress to secure that promise of the future not only for our generation but for the generations yet to come. Ah, here we go, another subliminal. She's announcing in front of a historical building in Iowa that she points out used to be a women's club. This is the first time but not the last, that we will see a gender call-out in a historical sense. Women have always been leaders. And if that wasn't true, why am I standing in front of this old-ass house? Despite scoring first in a previous Iowa straw poll, Bachman's campaign never caught fire. On January 3rd, 2012, she finished with under 5% of the vote in Iowa and then canceled her rallies in South Carolina and suspended her campaign. Which brings us to the golden age of women candidates. Up till this point in the podcast, we've highlighted four major party candidates. But after the break, we get eight of them all running after 2008. And it all begins with the most famous, the one who got the farthest. You'll be with her, Hillary Clinton, right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this Friday edition of the program. One of the things that happens during these deep dives is, especially on Friday, that we have to record earlier in the week, is that we can't really get to stuff that breaks later. However, you will have an opportunity to hear that if you become a patron. Patreon.com is where you need to go. Or you can just go to my own uh, uh, little URL, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Not only can you support the show, but at the $3 a week level, you get a bonus show every Monday morning, a bonus show every Thursday morning. And think of them as some breaking news, hot takes that set up your political week and send you into the weekend. This is kind of something that you can enjoy on a Friday. You can enjoy through Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully, I don't know, you enjoy it whenever you want. I'm not your dad. You can do what you want. But... Thursday's the late edition. Monday, we go over all the Sunday shows. Thank you so much for supporting us. Let's go ahead and get back to the program. TakePoliticsSeriously.com I announced today that I'm forming a presidential exploratory committee. I'm not just starting a campaign, though. I'm beginning a conversation with you, with America, because we all need to be part of the discussion if we're all going to be part of the solution. And all of us have to be part of the solution. Let's talk about how to bring the right end to the war in Iraq and to restore respect for America around the world, how to make us energy independent and free of foreign oil, how to end the deficits that threaten Social Security and Medicare. 
And let's definitely talk about how every American can have quality, affordable health care. You know, after six years of George Bush, it is time to renew the promise of America, our basic bargain, that no matter who you are or where you live, if you work hard and play by the rules, you can build a good life for yourself and your family. I grew up in a middle-class family in the middle of America, and we believed in that promise. I still do. I've spent my entire life trying to make good on it, whether it was fighting for women's basic rights or children's basic health care, protecting our Social Security or protecting our soldiers. It's a kind of basic bargain, and we've got to keep up our end. So let's talk. Let's chat. Let's start a dialogue about your ideas and mine. Because the conversation in Washington has been just a little one-sided lately, don't you think? Oh, yeah. We're into the era of announcement videos. God, I, I, at some point, I'm just going to spend an entire podcast series, just eight episodes, breaking down every minute of Hillary Clinton's doomed 2008 campaign that flames out and makes a star out of Barack Obama. But let's start here. We have a dead on video without production that went out first on Hillary Clinton's website. In fact, if you go to C-SPAN right now to watch this video, it's literally just a screen grab of a very 2007 website with a real player that a mouse goes over the play button and goes click. There's no real gender callouts here to speak of. Just the placement of her fight for women's rights to choose on her list of accomplishments. Although now I, I, I think even then that was really a gender neutral thing to do. So this is Hillary Clinton saying that this is her. She's a candidate. She's not a woman. She's a candidate. That's it. That's what you're focusing on. And she wants to start a conversation. Now compare that pretty antiseptic announcement with her 2015 announcement. So she's flamed out once. Now she's back again. It's 2015. She's been secretary of state. This announcement, which we're going to play in full, does not feature the candidate until the final 30 seconds of the ad. It takes the majority of the time to highlight the hopes and dreams of women, minorities, gay Americans, and one white guy in a factory. I'm getting ready for a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. It's spring, so we're starting to get the gardens ready, and my tomatoes are legendary here in my own neighborhood. <laughs> my daughter is about to start kindergarten next year, and so we're moving yeah. just so she can belong to a better school. Mi hermano y yo estamos empezando un primer negocio. Vaya. After five years of raising my children, I am now going back to work. Every day we're trying to get more, more ready and more prepared. The baby boy, coming your way. <laughs> right now I'm applying for jobs. It's a look into what the real world will look like after college. I'm getting married this summer to someone I really care about. I'm gonna be in the play and I'm gonna be in a fish costume. From little tiny fishes. I'm getting ready to retire soon. <laughs> Retirement means reinventing yourself in many ways. Well, we've been doing a lot of home renovations. 
But most importantly, we really just want to teach our dog to quit eating the trash. <laughs> and so we have high hopes for 2015 that that's going to happen. <laughs> I've started a new career recently. This is a fifth generation company, which means a, a, a lot to me. This country was founded on hard work and it really feels good to be a part of that. I'm getting ready to do something too. I'm running for president. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. So you can do more than just get by. You can get ahead and stay ahead, because when families are strong, America is strong. <laughs> so I'm hitting the road to earn your vote, because it's your time. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. Oh, baby, we are way more touchy-feely. This time we have the strummy music, the cinematography, and a personal way to reintroduce the candidate. This isn't that starched lady in The Real Player in 2007. Oh, no, no. This is a relatable Hillary. You're starting a garden? Well, hell, I'm running for president, so we both got some stuff on our to-do list. More personal, less bloodless, and the new slogan, I'm with her. And now, some inception. Because Carly Fiorina's announcement video in 2015 features her turning off Hillary's video in disgust before making her pitch. I'm getting ready to do something too. I'm running for president. Our founders never intended us to have a professional political class. They believed that citizens and leaders needed to step forward. We know the only way to reimagine our government is to reimagine who is leading it. I'm Carly Fiorina, and I'm running for president. If you're tired of the sound bites, the vitriol, the pettiness, the egos, the corruption, if you believe that it's time to declare the end of identity politics, if you believe that it's time to declare the end of lowered expectations, if you believe that it's time for citizens to stand up to the political class and say, enough, then join us. It's time for us to empower our citizens, to give them a voice in our government, to come together to fix what has been broken about our politics and our government for too long, because we can do this together. It's like a mirror world diss track. Fiorina uses no strummy music and runs against the concept of why you should have any kind of emotions regarding any kind of identity issues. She decries identity politics and lowered expectations. Code that this is something that you should feel worse for or root for women or minorities because they are women or minorities. So we're kind of back to where Hillary Clinton was in 2007, a presentation that says, focus on my issues, my work ethic, and nothing else. Carly Fiorina didn't have much else to do in this race. She never really caught on. And then only at the very end of her 
candidacy, did she join Ted Cruz as his running mate before he had secured the nomination? She then also had a weird moment where she was singing to Ted Cruz's daughters. It was weird. We've been traveling around the country and I've come to know Ted and Heidi and Caroline and Catherine. I know two girls that I just adore. I'm so happy I can see them more. Cause we travel on the bus all day, we get to play, we get to play. I won't bore you with any more of the song. Anyway, here's Tulsi Gabbard. Aloha. Aloha, I can't hear you. There we go. Thank you all so much for being here. It's a beautiful day in Hawaii. Growing up here in Hawaii, I loved swimming and surfing and having fun in this paradise that we are so fortunate to call home. But I gradually realized growing up that I was actually happiest when I was doing things for other people, doing things to protect our water to protect our oceans, our land. I felt that this was a different kind of happiness than anything else I experienced when I was just thinking of myself. It was a deeper happiness that stayed with me anywhere that I went. I knew then that no matter what path I ended up choosing in my life, that I wanted service to be that foundation. I'm proud to serve our country as a soldier. I'm a major in the Army National Guard where I've served for the last 15 years. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to serve the people of Hawaii in so many ways over the years. Gabbard announced her candidacy in Hawaii on February 3rd, 2019. No mention of the words woman or female, but that makes sense for what she's trying to do. She is running on two other identities, a congresswoman who's unafraid to buck the establishment as Gabbard did in 2016 in support of Bernie Sanders at the Democratic convention and a currently serving soldier who has come back from an overseas conflict. Unfortunately, None of it really played well for Gabbard. On March 19th, she dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden. By the way, Hillary Clinton's factors into this candidacy as well, because during that 2020 race, Hillary Clinton floated the idea that the Russians were grooming Tulsi Gabbard to run as a third party, splitting the race and throwing the election to Trump. Fun little tidbit. It was somebody in Clinton's orbit when asked by the press about this who gave the quote, well, if the nesting doll fits. Meow. Here's Kirsten Gillibrand. Our anthem calls America the home of the brave. But we don't realize that the lyrics first pose it as a question. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? 
over the land of the free and the home of the brave? It asks, will brave win? Well, it hasn't always, and it isn't right now. Brave doesn't pit people against each other. Brave doesn't put money over lives. Brave doesn't spread hate, cloud truth, build a wall. That's what fear does. We need to remember what it feels like to be brave. We launched ourselves into space and landed on the moon. If we can do that, we can definitely achieve universal health care. We can provide paid family leave for all, end gun violence, pass a Green New Deal, get money out of politics, and take back our democracy. None of this is impossible. Americans are brave every day. The father risking his job to fight for his family. The mom taking on 6 a.m. shifts and 6 p.m. classes. The formerly well-behaved women speaking up. The neighbors linking arms. They're making a choice, and it's these brave choices that inspire me to take on the fights others won't. When I voted against the Wall Street bailout while both parties threw billions at the banks, when I took on the Pentagon to end sexual assault in the military, when I turned a red district blue against all odds, when I challenged Congress by making my meetings, finances, and taxes public so people could see I was working for them. I took your lead. I chose Brave too. We need a leader who makes big, bold, brave choices. Someone who isn't afraid of progress. That's why I'm running for president. And it's why I'm asking you for your support. Kirsten Gillibrand announced her 2020 candidacy in March 17, 2019. Now, you can't hear it, but I'm going to tell you what you're missing visually. The video is gender coded at the very beginning with images of women's suffrage in the montage of the brave elements that America has had. Again, we are looking at more of a pitch for an outsider. Somebody who follows through on their progressive politics, which at this point is coded against people mostly named Joe Biden. But it would eventually go on to be Kamala Harris and Mayor Pete and anybody who's not looked at as a true blue progressive. So she's trying to come somewhere in between the Bernie Sanders wing and the Joe Biden wing. She's a functional Democrat, but she also sticks to progressive stuff and she doesn't always sing to the script. And obviously, there is an element of feminism that is woven through the Democratic Party in the post-Trump era. But you didn't really have to do much to get credit for it. You could just kind of fart in front of a picture of Trump and it was an act of radical feminism. 2019 was weird. Gillibrand bombed out of the primaries in August of 2019 when she failed to make the third primary. So and let me also point this out because there's a couple of these that that happen. The reason why and, and a lot of these you're hearing me that they announced in February, they announced in March and they're out before Iowa. So for everybody who's like, oh, this is a slow developing primary season, a slow developing primary season. I'm telling you right now that part of the reason is that you saw a lot of these campaigns that raised a fair amount of money when you have this long of a runway, you're sometimes going to run aground. 
And a lot of these people did. But then again, you can say a campaign for president is either meant to fly or it ain't. And so no matter when you launch, you are either going to be somebody who's making noise and raising money, or you're going to be somebody that America takes a look at, says, oh, maybe, and then just kind of turns their head and keeps on walking. Speaking of that, here's Kamala Harris. When we have true unity, no one will be subjugated for others. It's about fighting for a country with equal treatment, collective purpose, and freedom for all. That's who we are. That's who we are. And so, I stand before you today you today, clear-eyed about the fight ahead and what has to be done. With faith in God, with fidelity to country, and with the fighting spirit I got from my mother, I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for President of the United States. Hey, I was here for this one. Well, not actually in Frank Agawa Plaza in Oakland, California, but I walked around it before the event. I saw a gigantic line. I decided I was going to watch it on TV. But man, it's weird going back and watching this version of Kamala Harris. So full of promise before the live mic stumbles, the total flail out campaign, the torching of Joe Biden as a racist. In this moment, she doesn't have a gender call out because she's not a woman, although she does make it clear she is a fierce advocate for black women, as she does specifically call out in this speech, their pay disparity. But she's not. Not a woman. She's not a black citizen. She's from Oakland, and she's Obama. It's hard to look at this and not see somebody running the exact Obama playbook. The big crowd, the energetic speech. She's projecting herself as a symbol for change in America. You voted for a black guy in 2008. 2020 is going to be a black woman. The righteous democratic sword that ends the Trump administration. Ha! Well, best laid plans and all for Kamala. She dropped out before Iowa and uh, is now the vice president whenever she's given something to do. In our country, if you work hard and play by the rules, you ought to be able to take care of yourself and the people you love. That's a fundamental promise of America. A promise that should be true for everyone. Growing up in Oklahoma, that promise came through for me and my family. After my older brothers joined the military and I was still just a kid, my daddy had a heart attack and couldn't work. My mom found a minimum wage job at Sears, and that job saved our house and our family. My daddy ended up as a janitor, but he raised a daughter 
who got to be a public school teacher, a law professor, and a senator. We got a real opportunity to build something. Working families today face a lot tougher path than my family did. And families of color face a path that is steeper and rockier, a path made even harder by the impact of generations of discrimination. I've spent my career getting to the bottom of why America's promise works for some families, but others who work just as hard slip through the cracks into disaster. And what I've found is terrifying. These aren't cracks that families are falling into, they're traps. America's middle class is under attack. How do we get here? Billionaires and big corporations decided they wanted more of the pie. And they enlisted politicians to cut them a fatter slice. They crippled unions so no one could stop We're them. We're going to turn the bull loose. Dismantled the financial rules meant to keep us safe after the Great Depression and cut their own taxes so they paid less than their secretaries and janitors. It's time to write the rules for the middle class. After Wall Street crashed our economy in 2008, I left the classroom to go to Washington and confront the broken system head on. Elizabeth Warren, apparently not afraid to tangle with Wall Street. Elizabeth Warren is heading into the lion's den. Mrs. Warren goes to Washington. She did. We created America's first consumer watchdog to hold the big banks accountable. A woman who has warned of another meltdown. If Washington doesn't straighten up. I never thought I'd run for office, not in a million years. But when Republican senators tried to sabotage the reforms and run me out of town, I went back to Massachusetts and ran against one of them. And I beat him. And we are going to turn Washington back to the people. Today, corruption is poisoning our democracy. Politicians look the other way, while big insurance companies deny patients life-saving coverage, while big banks rip off consumers, and while big oil companies destroy this planet. Our government's supposed to work for all of us, but instead, it has become a tool for the wealthy and well-connected. The whole scam is propped up by an echo chamber of fear and hate designed to distract and divide us. People who will do or say anything to hang on to power point the finger at anyone who looks, thinks, prays, or loves differently than they do. But this dark path doesn't have to be our future. We can make our democracy work for all of us. We can make our economy work for all of us. We can rebuild America's middle class, but this time we gotta build it for everyone. No matter where you live in America, and no matter where your family came from in the world, you deserve a path to opportunity. Because no matter what our differences, most of us want the same thing, to be able to work hard, play by the same set of rules, and take care of the people we love. That's the America I'm fighting for. And that's why today I'm launching an exploratory committee for president. But the outcome of this election will depend on you. In the last two years, millions of people have done more than they ever thought they would to protect the promise of America. And here's what we learned. If we organize together, if we fight together, if we persist together, we can win. We can and we will. Nevertheless, she didn't.
Here's another thing you can't see. And this is important, at least if we're going to track the kind of iconography of, uh, of uh, gender callouts in, in these things. The opening images of this video are a younger Elizabeth Warren bathing a child in a sink and then holding a birthday cake for a child to blow out the candles on. This is the first time in this entire episode we've seen a candidate make their first impression for president motherhood, young motherhood. It's an explicit part of her campaign story, something that happens literally in the opening moments. And it's kind of wild that it took up to Elizabeth Warren to do it. Not to say that other candidates didn't eventually make it, but something that I do want to get to about all of this, the reason why the announcements and the initial speeches matter are because these are the first impressions. Whether or not they're what you remember about it, whether or not they're the most important parts about it, I always like to judge first impressions of campaigns because you've had forever to think about it. You have always had in your mind how you would do it. Any candidate who's going to put this amount of time and effort and money into this process, who's going to erode every other element of their lives, their relationships, including with their spouses, including with their children, is going to put all that on pause, going to make all that worse so you can run for the highest office in the land. You better damn well know that you're thinking about your first impression. And for Elizabeth Warren, it's bathing a baby in a sink. I think that is telling. And it makes sense in her story. She isn't a career politician. She stood on the outside until she couldn't take it anymore and then ran for office to tank on the bankers and the fat cats. She's a union-backed economic progressive who still calls her father daddy. Obviously, Things did not go the way that Elizabeth Warren planned. She wound up turning on Bernie Sanders in an embarrassingly staged live mic moment during a debate and then stayed in the race when it became clear it was only a two-horse race between Sanders and Biden. Oh, and she took a DNA test. Turns out it's 100% the most cringeworthy claim to have Native American heritage in history. Warren bowed out on March 5th. 2020. Hi, I'm Marianne Williamson. I'm considering running as a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the presidency in 2020. And I want to tell you why. We had a miracle in this country in 1776, and we need another one. I want to talk, first of all, about what that miracle was. Previous to the founding of this country, the entire civilization of Europe was run according to a monarchical and an aristocratic system. What that meant, we learned this when we were kids in school, that there was a divine right of kings. The idea was that God had given power to one person, maybe two, a king and a queen, and their group of rich friends, the aristocracy. And it was deemed that they were entitled. This group was entitled to the land, to wealth, to education. They were entitled to ownership and to the opportunity for the creation of more ownership for all of the material means that would provide for the self-actualization of an individual. Nobody else had those rights. Nobody else was entitled. Everybody else, which was the vast majority of the population, was little more than serfs to that small group. 
With the founding of this country, we turned that entire mindset, that entire paradigm was repudiated, was turned on its ear. And instead, in our Declaration of Independence, it says that all men are created equal and that God gave all men the unalienable rights to life and to liberty and to the pursuit of happiness. And then you got Marianne Williamson. Ah, the quixotic orb mother. Marianne Williamson announced on November 15, 2018, which is early, right? With a return to the Carly Fiorina playbook, the Hillary Clinton 2007 playbook. Less about her, more about history. Less about a political track record and more about a TED talk in Williamson's case. The other two talked about their political track record. This fits in with her history as an author and a frequent Oprah guest. Remember, Williamson failed so Oz could fail harder. She suspended her campaign in January 10th, 2020 without making much of a ripple in the polls. She endorsed Bernie Sanders. No video for Amy Klobuchar, but boy, this is going to sound cold. let a little snow stop us. We don't let a little cold stop us. Like, are you guys even cold? Uh, tell the truth. Okay. <laughs> now, when I said that elected leaders should go not just where it's comfortable, but also where it's uncomfortable, this is what I meant. Now, John and I, when I first thank our amazing and incredible team and staff for putting this together. Unbelievable. Also, the city of Minneapolis Parks, thank you. All the incredible people that turned out. My friends, Tina Smith and Governor Walls, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, highest ranking Native American state official in our nation. Our congressional delegation, thank you. Mayors, commissioners, legislators. Oh, I forgot, my dad who's 90 years old. And you always wanna thank your in-laws. Bill and Marilyn from Mankato. Thank you, Dudley D., who traveled with Prince for so many years for being here. Hey, if Prince could do that halftime show in all that rain, I can do this in this snow. <laughs> Sounds of Blackness, thank you, Rabbi Zimmerman. Thank you, friends from across the country. This is why we live here. <laughs> thank you, Greater Minnesota. Thank you, our suburbs, and thank you, the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. We are gathered here today on this beautiful Mississippi River, America's great river, running straight through the middle of our country, through the heartland. It takes its name from the Native American word for the father of waters. It starts small up north. And like so many of you as a kid, I got the thrill of going up there and claiming that I jumped clear over the Mississippi River. 
it then gets wider as it flows down here to the Twin Cities and then to Wisconsin, where my mom was born, and then down to Iowa, <laughs> a place where we in Minnesota like to go south for the winter. In the driving snow of Boom Island, Minnesota, on February 10th, 2019, Amy Klobuchar took her progressive credentials to the main event and threw her hat in the ring for president. At least I'm assuming she once had a hat because she was not wearing one on stage. And when I say that this woman was covered in snow, like she is a snow person by the end of this speech. Not a ton of gender coding here. She just does the traditional political rattling off of where she came from. So she's the granddaughter of a blah and a daughter of a blah, 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 blah. Klobuchar dropped out in coordination with her mortal enemy, Pete Buttigieg, in support of Joe Biden, despite the fact that she was about to win her only primary in Minnesota. She dropped out so Biden could do it. Which brings us back to Haley. Let's play her full campaign announcement video. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I love. People came by the thousands for fresh starts, Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always it's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come, Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several in victims, Charles. we don't know the uh, severity. We turned away from fear, toward God, and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. 
It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. It's kind of crazy because having just done all this research, I kind of wonder if Nikki Haley's team did the same thing because this video feels like a pick and choose amalgamation of a lot of other female candidates that have run. We got music, production, cinematography, a tactical but clear embrace of a lived experience of a professional Southern woman of Indian descent right down to that folksy line we played you at the beginning of this podcast about kicking harder in heels. Will it matter? Who knows? I don't have a lot of high hopes for Nikki Haley. I do think she's kind of running more for Secretary of State or for Vice President for either Trump or for Ron DeSantis. But you never know. A lot of things can happen in a political race. And Nikki Haley is calculating. I, I, I do give her that. She does have a track record in South Carolina. And stranger things have happened. She does make a very clear claim. The Republicans have lost seven out of the last eight popular votes. That's bad. What she's trying to do is pitch herself as a bigger, wider candidate in terms of general approval. Somebody that can break that trend. I don't know if she's right, but I do think it's a step in the right direction to point out a problem if your aim is to solve it. What we do know is this. We now have two announced candidates in the GOP primary. And someone has to lose. Which means there's one figure who's now on watch. of you who have not been around in previous election cycles, there is one figure who patrols the electoral battlefield waiting for the fallen. All of these women that I have played clips of you tonight have felt the cold hand of the campaign undertaker on their shoulder, welcoming them into the oblivion of political defeat. The campaign undertaker doesn't care about gender or class or race or party. The campaign undertaker only cares if you win or lose. And there can only be one president with our stakes set and our history learned 
I can only say, good luck, ladies. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to email the program, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can find our show's Twitter account, px3tweets, and my Twitter account, Justin R. Young. If you'd like to find me live on the internet, it is px3live.com. It goes to my Twitch channel. If you'd like to share this podcast with your friends or family, it is px3 podcast. You can support me with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury, and my Venmo is justin-young-20. If you'd like to hit me on my cash app, it is px3cash. And if you'd like to send me anything in the mail, it is P.O. Box. 153184 Austin, Texas 78715 Of course you can always get bonus content of this show at takepoliticsseriously.com Our $3 tier gets you two bonus shows per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 Tier. Dustin, Jason, Andres, C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yeo, Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Bluefront, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief, Andy, Robert Casey Paul is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted. Utah Jimmy Montana, the Gen A L D L L D L D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, you'd like your name read right here on this program. Well, you go ahead and head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. That'll be it for us this week. Thank you to everybody who listens to this show. You know, I was talking to my friend, Tom Merritt. Tom Merritt, for the record, is... I I, I know there is technically a podcasting hall of fame. And I I don't really know who runs it. The fact that Tom Merritt is not in the... The fact that he's not in the Podcasting Hall of Fame, and I don't even know what the Podcasting Hall of Fame is. So I'm just going to say a Mount Olympus. A podcasting Mount Olympus has to have a Tom Merritt in it. But I was talking to him, and we were talking about this show, and I'm blessed for him to listen. I hope he's listening to this, because everything I'm saying is true about him being the GOAT. He was like, well, you know, I really like the new stuff. The new format. But every once in a while, and I did get another email about this. Every once in a while, I do just kind of want a quick reaction to how you process news. And it makes sense. Because something that I have heard from you guys a lot is just the idea of whether or not when something happens, is this a big deal in your mind? Is this not a big deal? You guys trust my judgment on that. I'm very thankful. So going forward... 
I think we're going to do just little, little in the parlance of Daily Tech News Show. Quick hits, just in the middle of, of, of the show. So we'll, there'll, there'll be stuff, because I really do like the deep dive stuff, and I really do like the long-form interview stuff that we're doing. I just want to, uh, you know, just, just throw a few things in there. Just a few little news bits. Not going to be long, but hopefully that'll continue. We'll continue to evolve the show, because the goal here is, is we want to make this, we want to evolve into an unstoppable force during this election cycle. And now that we're at the very beginning of it, now's the time. I'll see you there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this, this is the only program that dares discuss. Oh! Hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.